This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is a hundred percent Australian owned and local. Phone one three one eight zero six. I don't know about you, but my first phone call was to the beautician. <laughs> I am so excited. Little old hairy legs. The leader of the NRL versus the leader of the AFL. Well, I mean, it's been an extraordinary comparison, hasn't it? ARL chairman Peter Volandis has sort of run the show. He's not a consulter like Gillian McLaughlin. Someone described him the other day to me as Andrew Demetrio on steroids. You know, Andrew made a decision and went back. William and Harry are talking again. Oh, really? What's your prediction about the marriage? Is it going to last? Which marriage? Oh, Meghan and... Yep. Well, I don't know. I don't speculate on that. I'm not a palace insider, but I did read The Sun in the UK talking about great sources. (laughs) (laughs) Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corrie Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. everyone and welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. I am Corey Perkin and this, I cannot believe, is our 129th episode. Gosh, we have been around a while. Caro Wilson, hello. We just we tend to pat ourselves on the back every week now, don't we? <laughs> well, just being here is an achievement, Corey. Hello there. I love your scarf. Oh, thanks. That was a present from a friend. I am a bit confused about podcasts and the number of podcasts because some of my favourite podcasts you'll see they've only done 50 and then I feel really smug and then I think well maybe they're so well prepared they actually do it monthly and maybe we're not so good just maybe it's quality not quantity. Hey listen whatever whatever works Corrie at this stage. Well look As I'll we like, head to the last week of autumn can I you believe know. winter hasn't even started? Well we did we, we have had we have had a couple of uh, few day nice few days which is autumn's last hurrah I gather but we are going to talk a bit about winter later on how we're going to cope. It possibly might be our last corona lockdown update seeing as the world's getting back to normal and we're going to talk some footy talk. Uh, you have some screen and movie stuff to discuss. I have a recipe which I cooked for you on the weekend. Lots of things to discuss, but first, housekeeping, apologies and listener feedback. Any apologies, Caro? Anything you did wrong blew well, up in your face last week? I'm just trying to think. I think I had a pretty perfect week, didn't I? No, I, no, I probably did lots of things wrong. I, did, I didn't, and we will mention this later on the GLT episode, but my fridge does still smell of crayfish. And so we might talk later about all the great recommendations I received, including one from Miss Jane that I completely ignored. But um, that's more of an apology to my family than anyone else. What about you? Uh, I've been pretty perfect as well, I think, but I stand to be corrected. <laughs> I'm sure the, I'm sure there's uh, something. Dri- well, driving here, driving here, I, I did realise that I've left my hair irons on because my hair looks so terrible this morning. I had to do something your with it. Your hair looks amazing. What you are know, you talking well, about? Well, I think it's an early GLT. When you use your hair irons, I have a terrible habit of leaving them on, even though I know they turn themselves off. Yeah, they're they like an electric blanket. They yeah. are, but still I still worry. Power. Yeah, well, I still worry are the you? house is going to burn down. Don't you get those terrible feelings? And so I was driving along here to the studio today, and I thought, oh, that's it, house oh, down. You actually, know, I do have an photos apology. gone. Our smoke alarm actually went off when we were in bed the other night, and I was reading, and Brendan was asleep, and the smoke alarm went off, and you know that I, I don't think that's ever happened to us. 
It's happened sometimes when the fire's been a bit smoky and you've been sitting by it. Or the battery's flat and it goes beep. Yeah, no, this was a full, full belt. And Clementine was in another room. And what did I do? I prodded Brendan and said, the smoke alarm's going off, wake up. He leapt out of bed, Clem leapt out of bed, and they both came in about 10 minutes later. I'm just still lying in bed reading. They said, well, gee, you're, you were great in a crisis. <laughs> I just thought, that's oh, man's job. The beds are burning. Were man's you in job. it? <laughs> man's job. Anyway, um, the fire had started smoking, thanks, so it was good they got up. Thanks to all our messengers out there who have continued to delight Caro and Miss Jane and myself with your wonderful feedback. We really do enjoy it so much. So keep the letters, emails and Instagram comments coming. Bernadette Cook sent a lovely Facebook message and related so much to your sadness, Caro, over losing your beloved Billy, the chocolate Labrador. And she also said, have to agree with comments on normal people, Corrie. I just loved it. And I'm a lady in my 70s and have recommended it to my daughter. I've had a few Will they watch the sex scenes together, though? Well... I, well, I think they're so beautifully handled, you possibly can without blushing. But uh, it's amazing how many people have said to me since we discussed this, heard you talking about normal people. I agree, the sex is great, sex is relevant. And these are people who are over the age of 45. So there you go. Um, Sarah Older, hello, don't shoot pod team. I just listened to this podcast, How to Fail, with the actress Daisy Edgar-Jones, who, of course, Caro is the lead in Normal People. And Corey was right. They did have an intimacy coach on the set of Normal People. Interesting to hear the details. Love your podcast. How to Fail with Elizabeth Day, I have to say, is one of my favourite podcasts too, Sarah. So thanks for that. And Joanne Van Homry via email loves our podcast. Well, no, he, I think he does. He found us by accident about the time. <laughs> As if we'd be reading that, say, hate your podcast. <laughs> hate it. Well, well, we have had it. We don't always get positive feedback, as you know. Wow, I really enjoy listening to you both and your guests. As a Brisbane girl, liberal use of the term girl, 60 in fact, I got my party in last year. Mm, I resent you then, Joanne. Um, and a keen follower of the NRL, she loves our chat. She's looking forward to using all our AFL knowledge. And it's fair to say her knowledge is, goes to about as far as Googling the name of the Brisbane team. So embarrassing. Go Lions. Can I thank you, Joanne? You're about the same as your Premier, who refers to the AFL as the other code. Which Oh. Well, well I mean, she's a Premier of Brisbane, um, Palaszczuk. Yes, correct. And Anastasia Palaszczuk. Palaszczuk, who used to be married to George Megalogenis, actually. Oh, did she? Yes, I only discovered that out. Discovered that a little while well, maybe, ago. Well, maybe that's what turned her off, Woody, because she's a Tiger supporter. And George wrote that book about how... You know, the government could lo- use it, learn a lot from the Richmond Premiership of 2017. Anyway, she it only it- took, Jane, it only took about the three and a half minute mark of the podcast for Carol to mention Richmond. Don't you, you love you that? You brought up George Megalogenis. Well, I didn't. Did I say the word Richmond? He's a Richmond tragic, Corrie. Anyway, she calls it the other code and... You know, like Brisbane have won three flags up there. They've been trailblazers. She's got another team, the Gold Coast, started off. The other code, I don't think the AFL team's up there. Oh, well. All that impressed. Anyway. Uh, now, Caro, May challenges. We're in the last week of May, so let's do an assessment. How did you go with Iris? I read two Irises. I mean, mm. I know. It wasn't great, was it? Well, look, that's not bad. I read the Although Italian she doesn't girl. write big, the Sea the Sea is probably her biggest fattest novel. You didn't do that one, did you? No, I did the Italian Girl in the Time of the Angels, and I really enjoyed them both. So I'm now going to read more Iris. So I feel that it, it's a challenge 
certainly, I reckon, more than half completed to read two novels by an author I haven't actually read before. I think you get a tick. In a month. I have read, I've got a, I've got a cracker of a book this week, but I, um, anyway. I get, a, I get a tick too, which is not often that we have both achieved our challenge, Very rarely, very but rarely. Can I just say, on a point of nostalgia, this time last year when we were talking about our June challenges, they were to walk across Cornwall together. I know. Which we did achieve. I know. Oh, and I brought one of my irises, bought one of my irises in Cornwall. So it's sort of a link. But Will yeah, we ever get back there? No so, travel this year, first so, world problem. Yeah, well, that's right. Who cares? We're going to we're going to travel through Australia and up the coast of, of southern Australia and support the bushfire-affected areas. Caro, my challenge I have completed with gusto yesterday being such a beautiful autumn afternoon. When I locked up the shop at 4 o'clock, I raced down to Port Phillip Bay, parked the car in at Elwood and walked toward Brighton. I wasn't sure how far I did. When I came back, I looked at my phone and it said I'd done 6.2 kilometres. Pretty good. I'm not sure that that was the entire, I think probably a bit of the day was in there as well. It didn't feel like it, but it, oh, it was such a beautiful walk. What a wonderful walk. What an amazing amount of incredible architecture. <laughs> Yeah, but isn't what about? I mean, wow. but you're a Bayside girl originally. Are I you, know, but I've never walked that What about all the paths they've built? Oh, I mean, it's so they've fantastic! Turned, they've really celebrated the bay. There, oh, they? hooray, hooray! I mean, when I was a kid growing up in Hampton and Sandringham, you literally had to across the rugged rocks. It was there was no path. So that's one one of the waterways of Melbourne which I didn't achieve in this thing. I'd love to do, and maybe we could actually have a bit of a cornball reunion. And I'd love to do that from sort of Sandringham, Black Rock, Half Moon Bay. I'd love to do that area. So I think we should probably make a date of that. Anyway, we were very successful. So uh, good to <laughs> well see. Well done, us. <laughs> well, well, maybe it has the fact that we had a lockdown and we had lots of time to achieve our challenges. I'm not sure, but pat on the back for us. Caro, I just want to do a corona update and, and uh, touch base here because the lockdown is almost over. We're, we're, things are getting back to normal. And I'm really interested to see how people are coping Many Victorians have returned to their workplace. The kids are back at school in year-level shifts and soon we'll all be back at school. And our cases, our rate of new cases is slowing, although in the last couple of days, three states, as we know, are on alert now. There have been breakouts at a couple of schools, the, uh, the ship that's off um, the WA coast and, of course, a nursing home in Victoria. Uh, but, look, apart from this, we seem to be progressing quite well. And I just wondered what your thoughts were about going back so quick, so early, and how, lockdown, how pre-lockdown activities have started to creep back into your life. What, has, what have you noticed most? Well, my first... Apart I don't know, from the traffic. I don't know about you, but my first phone call was to the beautician. <laughs> Day one, I'm going next Monday. No, Tuesday. I'm so... I'm too busy on Monday, which is a pity. I am so excited. I'm, get, well, I'm getting my Toes, legs Toes, hands. Toes, oh, okay. No, we, not too much information, Well, please. you know, remember when we all started getting our... Le- well, I don't know if you did, but remember we all shaved our legs as teenagers and then we all started getting waxing and they always said never go back to shaving because it undoes all the good of the waxing or something. And I remember I started getting my legs waxed in London in the mid-80s when I was living there. So I just refuse to go back to the old razor. And so I am so excited. Oh, my gosh. I no wonder you haven't been wearing a I'm skirt so the last excited. few weeks. Well, it's been a bit cold. If I have, I've been wearing tights. Little old hairy legs. Nails. Oh, I'm, I'm really... Well, it's funny, Carol. Remember you mentioned a couple of weeks ago you said the word pedicure. 
The minute you said that, I have become obsessed. I gave myself a home petty, which was which was actually not half bad, although it's a bit hard to paint your little toenail when you're standing on a, a, You know a, how there's no little toenail? I've had a few conversations about this with people. I haven't attempted it. I just can't be bothered. Well, I, had a, I bought a little foot scrubber thing, which I'm really mad on. In fact, I do that when I'm in the bath now on the heels and things. And I, and I, and I tried to give myself perfect reflexology, which was a disaster because I didn't feel relaxed at all. And then I painted them up. But it really took nearly an hour which in lockdown we have the time. I haven't touched the feet since. I can't wait for a pedicure. I never knew it would be so cheery to look down at your toes, freshly painted toes. I never knew that would make me so happy. Anyway, so that's the first thing I did. I also, what 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 will come into, well, obviously we're all going into people's houses now in small doses and I've been to your house for a game of Scrabble and you've been to mine and that was great fun. I had my first game of cards the other day with three other girls all sitting... Did you wear little plastic mittens? Relatively apart from each other. No, but we you know, we hand sanitised and we did all the right things. And it was so weird holding cards again. It was like one of our, our third friend who said it was very strange holding a Scrabble tile. Mm. I mean, it really is quite odd, isn't it? Actually touching things again. Um, I'd, my, you know, things that I've started doing that... I mean, my local market has become my second home. I never thought... I would spend so much time at the market, but it became somewhere early in the morning. You felt safe. It was cheery. They all opened a little bit later, so there was a relaxed feel about it. I'm often there now. They only open four days a week. I'm there often three days, four days a week. I'm often there twice a day. I now know a lot of the storeholders by name, which I never really did. Someone gave me free Osabuco yesterday. It was nice, wasn't it? What do you mean free? What, well, free... I was, with, I was with my friend and she ordered some food and I said, oh, look at that yummy osabuco. And um, I said Which that my, was cooked? No. Oh, oh look at those yummy veal shanks. Veal shanks, yeah. Um, I made osabuco last week. You know, I told you we did the Robert Ca- And he gave me four big veal shanks. Oh, it must be another he said, bloody Richmond supporter. Well, he actually was. <laughs> mention, Carol, you've got to mention his name. Come on, give him a plug. Which stall? J and L Meats at the Paran Market. Thank you, Miss Jane. Um, no, look, I have found this time so interesting. Um, like you, we've enjoyed phone calls, making phone calls to friends and actually talking to them and actually having chats on the phone, seeing a lot more of my family, not spending so much money on going out. And, yes, we all want the restaurant industry to come back and they've done an amazing job with the way they've gone with the times. But um, I really do think it's been a wake-up call for me, who, as you know, is a bit of spend, a bit of a spender in terms of how much money I must no, spend. I would never have I'm, said that. I'm saving so I much money. I tell you what, that cream Cornwall shop in, uh, oh, where yeah. was it again? In um, Falmouth. Falmouth. I've Boy, never seen anybody whip well, so quickly, play, so, so quickly through the entire shop. My have entire pack, Christmas pack, present packed done. And, packed and wrapped and posted back to Australia before I could even say. Play your cards right, Corrie. You might have a little hostess gift coming soon. Not again. Gosh, oh, that's the gift that keeps giving <laughs> that Falmouth shop. Unbelievable. What about you? There have been some uh, pre-lockdown activities that have started to creep back into my life. Some good, some bad. Obviously, seeing friends is good. The pattern of my day, as you were talking about the market then, and I thought, well, isn't that interesting? Because the because we had so little routine in our life, we created new routines, and one of your routines was to walk to the market. So one of mine was most certainly walking in the morning 
before heading off to the mayhem of uh, wrap and pack and home deliver books. So I've, I haven't really been doing that for the last week and I miss it. And I'm trying to think, how can I fit that back in my day? So that will have to, that will have to occur. But there's the, the, I know you keep saying I'm obsessed by um, traffic and I'm always whinging about cars and roads and having cars towed and all of that sort of thing. Oh no, but I haven't missed the traffic. Well, oh. I haven't, I haven't missed the traffic, but it is back with a vengeance. And so is my bad temperedness when I'm mm. driving my car. So that disappeared. I actually didn't. I, I loved driving around the streets of Melbourne delivering books with hardly any cars on the road. Well, no more home deliveries for you then, Corrie, oh, in this no. traffic. <laughs> oh, no, we're still doing that. But I wondered on a scale of 1 to 10, if you say that 1 is completely chilled, relaxed, I'm fine, and 10 is high anxiety, where you sit now when you think about the next few months and, as I said, little hot spots have popped up in the last couple of days with the virus, when you think about what the, everybody's going back to normal and um, having lots of people in lots of spaces, how you feel whether this is going to hit us again and how nervous you might feel. Well, I'm not – look, I know everyone's very worried about the second wave and obviously I am too. And and, and with um, eldest child living overseas in Europe, you know, I worry about all that stuff, you know, just the um, – tyranny of distance gets to me. But I'm just looking ahead to, to I've got to be brutal, self-interest back at every time. The footy season's about to start and it's going to start in the middle of June, which means it's going to be a really long year without the break of um, a little brief sojourn of a holiday and with the footy season ending in October. So I'm sort of resigning myself to just a long, cold winter, and I'm sort of quite enjoying the resilience of it, and I don't – I think I feel generally more relaxed as a result of this time because we have been forced to spend a lot more time at home. So that sounds terrible, but because I've worked all the way through and um, and have been quite busy, it's almost a sense of relief that football's starting and there'll be – we won't have to, you know, we won't have to sort of absolutely push uh, sort of – investigative journalism stuff to the brink to get the shows on every week because there's going to be so much more to talk about. It I'll be, I'll be glad I'll be glad to get everyone's software off the dining room table, I have to say, when people in my household go back to work in the office. That'll be fun. Yeah, oh, I know. I, the I computers say, around the house. I um, know, oh, if I trip over another cord. Yeah. But uh, I, feel, I, feel, I still feel quite anxious. It's really interesting. Uh, you know how I was so obsessed by the news when this all came out, CNN in the morning, CNN at night, ABC during the day. I couldn't get enough of this because I don't know whether it's the old journo in me or whether I'm just a sort of a pandemic pandemic freak, but I couldn't get enough news. I found the, the stories breaking left, right and centre. So I still feel quite... Um, when I tune into the news and listen, particularly when I listen to some of the American podcasts, I really get quite freaked out. And talking with a friend, as you and I did the other day, with a friend who has actually had the virus, uh, it all is well, you know, and they self-isolated and all of that sort of thing, or they were forced to isolate, um, and everything is fine now. But listening to her talk about how easily it is to pick up this virus to I pick know. up this infection. Well, she in fact is really isolated. scary. She double isolated. She did an extra two weeks. <clears throat> yeah, that's to, right. To make just sure. To be sure. But she said that although she was not so bad, her husband who had who also acquired the virus, who has an asthma problem, was much sicker. And how they acquired it was just 
literally at, uh, you know, at, at a, at over a drink with people, with someone who had it. And um, that, that makes me very scared as we head in toward winter, particularly for older folk. And I look at the people in our shopping centre who are, it's really funny, Caro, some of the shops like the butcher and so on, they have very strict rules, as does the bookshop, three oh, or four three or four in here at a time. Every bastard comes in and orders enough food for the next month and all you want is two lamb chops. All right, well, calm down, calm down. That's, that's all right. <laughs> but you have three or four people in the shop and then that's fine. Everybody's socially distancing and standing on their cross on the floor. But outside you've got ten people all huddled in the rain or trying to avoid the rain and they're all standing... 20 metres, 20 centimetres apart. They're all huddled up like sardines. No, people. This is not the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. Oh, look, it, it's um, – look, what the, oh, my last word on this is that early on for me, my sort of knowledge of wandering around is that there was a bit of pushing away if you were walking too close to someone and a bit of sort of women just almost freaking out as you walk towards them and men. But I just find now, you know, outside when you get your takeaway coffee or when you walk into, you know, your market store, any store, everyone's talking to each other so much more. Mm. And you go and get your takeaway coffee, you know, our friend Albert from one of our favourite cafes, Pound, he said people are coming up now and saying, oh, so-and-so isn't here this morning. And we used to see this guy there every day and just wave and say hello. Now we have a long conversation. I mean, you're standing apart, but I reckon people are talking to each there other more. There is so much community love and people are coming back to the burbs and their villages. They're, they're a bit nervous about going to places like Chatty and Southland and they are, and the CBD is still a little off limits for some people because of the public transport issue and villages are thriving. Long may they continue. Carol, I've been really interested also during this to watch our leaders both local and international, and also not just political but business leaders such as Bill Gates and, and the royals and philanthropic people and so on, how people have uh, led by example and, and, and led by, um, by intelligence and also clear communication to all of us who really want to know what we should be doing and how. And um, I put together a little list of people I have my, leaders I have admired over the last few weeks in no particular order, I'm stressing, but Jacinta Ardern, the New Zealand Prime Minister, who the other day, did you see her when she was live to camera talking to a news reporter? And she was, I think she was in Christchurch from memory, can't remember, but they had an earth tremor. While she's talking to this guy who's back in the studio and he's interviewing her about whatever the topic was, she says, oh, hang on a minute, John. Uh, the room's shaking. We're just having a bit of a tremor. She has a bit of a laugh. And he says, oh, Prime Minister, are you all right? Yeah, look, I think I'm safe. I'm not under any lights and it seems a pretty solid structure. I thought Grace under pressure. <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with her recommendation. I think it's really interesting that she's pushing for the four-day week. Well, it, that is a really interesting thing, isn't it, how, how the economy might cope. But I've, I've, one of the reasons I've loved – one of the things I've loved about her, Caro, is that every day during the, during the lockdown and, – and New Zealand went into lockdown a week or two before Australia did – she has communicated via Facebook, which is her favourite medium, to her constituents. And she has been at times really steely and really, you must not do this, you must not do this. And then other times quite funny, baking a cake at home or whatever it might be. But she's she's given New Zealanders a, a foolproof, almost like a hundred things you cannot do. So really delve down into the micro so people come away going, all right, well, I can't actually walk to the butcher today. I'll have to get it home delivered or whatever it might be. Can't put the kids in the playground. The Irish Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, who actually before he entered politics was a doctor, went back to work as a doctor. 
one day a week. Is he the one who's actually only a stand-in until they... I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's is been he? absolutely. He brilliant. is. He is a rock star, and of course, yeah. Angela Merkel. We love. In fact, the Guardian last month had a had a story. I don't know whether you saw it. Are female leaders more successful at managing a coronavirus crisis than the men? And if you think about it, Angela Merkel, Jacinda Ardern, Mette Frederiksen in Denmark, who shut down her borders on March the thirteenth. And then a few days later, shut down the schools, the universities and all gatherings. Uh, Ernest Solberg in Norway. Um, there's quite a few of the women have done very well. And then you look at the blokes who have not done so well. Boris. Donald. Yeah. Oh, Donald's just, he's just. Vladimir. <laughs> um, no, abso- absolutely dreadful. I, th- I think by and large, our state premiers across Australia have been pretty impressive. And as I think I said to you last week, I now know the name of every state premier, which I certainly didn't um, two months ago. Leo is temporary. There's some, I still can't, there's some I reason still can't pronounce Gladys Berejiklian. I think that's Ber- different. Berejiklian. Don't, don't, yeah. don't ask me to spell it, Gladys. I'm sorry. I can't. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Ruby Princess, you know, clearly she was lied to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Leo is, going, is only standing in as Prime Minister, and there's a reason for that, but I would love him to stay on full time as well. I think he's fabulous. Should we segue to uh, sporting leaders <coughs> on the subject of leadership? Caro, please tell me how, how do you think it's going? The leader of the NRL versus the leader of the AFL. Well, I mean, it's been an extraordinary um, comparison, hasn't it? Because the um, ARL chairman, Peter Volandis, has sort of run the show for Rugby League. And the AFL CEO, Gillan McLaughlin, has run the show for AFL. We haven't seen Richard Gorda barely at all, the chairman of the AFL. And Todd Greenberg, the former CEO of the NRL, has been booted out. Peter Volandis, in the last month, I, and I, I had a go at at the sycophantic media on Monday night on Channel 9. Seriously, the man with the iron will, you know, the man who saved the game that saved him. Even the offsiders on Sunday opened with, they said you'd never make it. Remember those ad, that ad campaign? All about Peter Volandis. I mean... This guy. Why, look, why are they, to coin a phrase, pissing in his pocket? Well, uh, look, he has done, um, he, he's done an unbelievable job and NRL will be back on May 28. But he makes these pronouncements and, and if he says it, it will happen. Now, there's absolutely no way the players are not going to ha- undergo a savage pay cut. He's saying they're going to keep the pay they're getting now and the AFL is being much more honest about that. Um, he's not a consulter like Gillan McLaughlin. Someone described him the other day to me as Andrew Demetrio on steroids. You know, Andrew made a decision and went bang. And I think the way the AFL ran Corona under Demetrio would have been very different. Gillan McLaughlin has been highly consultative, but behind the scenes he's done some unbelievable deals. Much harder to get the game on the go in AFL because it's run across five states, not, well, NRL's got Melbourne, but I mean Victoria, but really it's New South Wales and Queensland, and it's much easier to do the border deals there, whereas AFL has had to, the AFL has had to deal with WA and SA and all their restrictions. Um, Gillen forms far too many committees for my liking. There's about eight different committees. There's a Corona cabinet. There's a back to play committee. There's a membership committee. God, there's you'd, a, you'd have Zoom phobia, oh, wouldn't you? Oh, after all of this, there's if you're so Gillen? much. Whereas you feel as over Landis is just saying blah blah blah. We're doing it. You know, we're not going to have take. He said we're not going to take a pay cut from Channel Nine. Well, of course they will, as the AFL will from Channel Seven. But I reckon, <coughs> I reckon, in their own way, they've both done a pretty good job. 
in a very different way. And I don't think it's a massive issue for the AFL that they're starting two weeks later than the NRL. I mean, some people would still say it's a bit early. Do you, what do you think? Do you think it, start, it well, feels a bit early to me? The coaches felt they needed another week of contact training and then there would be injuries. And I see your boy, Jager O'Meara, has hurt himself at training. Yes. Um, so there will be, from you know the lack of contact to full-on contact and only two weeks of it before playing or two and a half weeks is going to be tricky. But um, no, I don't. I can understand why. The, if the premiers and the health officers are saying yes, then they're being as responsible as they can. But Volandis is saying we want to get crowds back by July 1. Well, that's not going to happen. So what happens with your crisis and issues management department when one, of, one player from one team has uh, a test positive? has picked up the virus. Well, they're saying that that's not necessarily going to shut down the club, let alone the entire competition, and that's the hope. The determination now is that you can't stop it again. Once you've started, that would be a bit of a disaster. There might be delays here and there. But But how do you tell someone like St Kilda who might have one player and then three and then five? Because what they have to do is they only have two full contact sessions per week and even then when you leave the track, you're, you're not close to your coaches, you're only with groups of eight, you leave in your group of eight and that's all. So, you know, you might notice that um, they don't put, they don't have Dustin Martin too close to, you know, the riffraff because you just that would be a bit of an issue if Dusty got injured and, you know, same, same with probably Tom Mitchell, you know, for example, at Hawthorne. Anyway, so it's going to be fascinating but interesting, massive um, differences between the two codes. I don't think there is any way at all that we'll see um, crowds at the footy by July 1. I think that is just irresponsible and medical officers have said that to Peter Volandis. Maybe I just resent him because he's tried to steal the Melbourne Cup day date, you know, in the spring carnival. What's going to be interesting is Melbourne in October. They're saying... Well, they're talking... Caulfield I read Cup it, at the end of November. Yeah, and I read they're talking again about the night grand final. Well, I think that's just... If you're going to do it, they, they've been dying to try it. Um, Gillan McLaughlin's been wanting to try it. Um, they've held back for a variety of reasons. Um, it is a great tradition not having it at night. The money's good and the ratings will be better, but it's not going to be that much better. But in a year that they want to give the broadcast, everything's going to be at night, like Sunday night footy back, Thursday nights. We're going to have pretty much Thursday nights all season. You know what this means, If there are no crowds at the footy, it's going to be better at night. All of our... All of our uh, plans to have quiet nights at home, watching Netflix and cooking with the family, gone. Well, not on Thursday, Friday, Saturday or Sunday nights anyway. That's true, Corrie. Although if Sunday night it's Port Adelaide versus Frio, I reckon you'd be on Netflix. Caro, I saw also that uh, it's that time of the year again. The AFL Hall of Fame is announced. Various candidates are announced. And I gather Gary Ablett Senior yet again has missed out on becoming a legend of the game. Well, it hasn't been announced yet, has it? Oh, there was a speculation yeah. yesterday that I read in the paper. Yep, um, well, which I thought was probably well sourced. Well, there, there's, there's, oh, they're pretty good at not letting stuff out. I mean, I was on that selection committee for many years, and it was pretty strictly held. Uh, Gary Ablett Senior um, is one name has been touted as they're going to in, induct one legend this year. Gay, Wayne Carey is another. Jason Dunstall is another. So, the, um, so two of the three, the first two, have all um, have had, had trouble issues. Yeah, had trouble with. Well, the Gary Ablett's had a big, a big off-field issue. I mean, Gary Ablett. I, th- I would suggest Wayne Carey. Wayne Carey's back on Channel Seven as a commentator. He's been welcomed back into the fold. Gary Ablett obviously has had his mental health issues and other lifestyle issues, but you know he he sat in a hotel room with a young girl, a young woman, when and she died of a drug overdose and. I was on the selection panel that 
brought him into the Hall of Fame as a regular member. I didn't agree with the decision and I still don't. So I certainly don't think he should ever be a legend, but I might be proven wrong. The really exciting thing, of course, is that footy footy tipping competitions are back. And um, dare I say, I think someone in this studio who might be me is leading the Don't Shoot the Messenger well, I think, your, I think your tip of the Hawks over Brisbane absolutely cemented your leadership, Wait till Hawks feed you along. So I just need to probably plug the fact that we are returning to the Don't Shoot the Messenger footy tipping comp. Miss Jane, would you like to just um, tell potties how they might resurrect their, if they still have it, their su- subscription to our little service? Look, if you just um, jump onto our show notes, I'm going to put links in there, uh, which you can find via our Facebook. But basically, if you just search footy tips, don't shoot the messenger, you'll find the competition. If you already were signed up last year, you'll be in. I think we just need to write off round one, don't we? Oh, <laughs> Well, well I know, not, according, not according to Ms. Perkin. Um, my, so much for my theory of always tip the home teams. That was there was some real, there was some really interesting results. Oh, if you think that's got interesting, wait till round two. I think it's just, and also we'll just have viewing exhaustion. There are so many great games, or I presume they're great games. Oh. Based on last year's, what do we base it on? It's very weird. Anyway, there's going to be some massive upsets, and there's going to be some really interesting results. Caro, it's crush of the week time, and I would like to thank, or you and I would like to thank Red Energy for their ongoing and fabulous support of our podcast. We love the gang at Red Energy. We had a lovely Zoom meeting with a few of them uh, a couple of weeks ago. If you're interested in exploring further Red Energy services, call one three one eight zero six for Real Aussie Energy. Now, who's your crush? Ray Martin. Ray Martin has got this new show on the ABC called Life in Lockdown. I had a lovely lift ride with Ray Martin once at Spencer Street at the Old Age Building. He introduced himself to me. It was very nice. Yeah, go on. Yeah, actually, I I covered um, a Don Bradman tribute when they renamed the ground at um, Balmoral. Balmoral. Balmoral, sorry, after him. And and Ray ran the thing. And he was was always terrific. Anyway, he's got this new show called At Home Alone Together. It's really funny. He sort of sends himself up. This is the one on the ABC? Up. Yeah, yeah. He sends himself up. He, I mean, he, he makes bread. He, he, he walks around, pulls his hands out of his pockets, and they're all sudsy and soapy because he said, here's a great idea. It's sort of like a lot of GLTs, really. Um, just keep soap suds in your pocket, sanitizer in your pocket. Then you never have to worry about your hands. It is really funny. But what happened um, the other day was Sarah Henderson the federal politician who used to be a television celebrity. Oh, yeah, journalist. Radio. Yeah, she was um, on. She hosted the afternoon program. Yeah, but she was also on Three AW, and she was a journalist before that, wasn't she? With yeah, Channel Seven, or she something? was. Anyway, she absolutely panned it and almost almost did the old Kerry Packer. You know, get this SHIT off the television. <laughs> it's the most unfunny thing I've ever seen. Get it off. She was absolutely lambasted. You know, never incur the wrath of the comedians, the Australian comedians. Comedians from Denise Scott down just said, what a disgrace. A politician recommending, you know, people actually lose their jobs um, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, now there's been a sort of counter view that she's actually given the show great PR. But um, it was just a really odd thing for Sarah to do. Like, she just... Yeah, it said get it off the TV. So all the comedians who are all – and it's given work to a lot of these young Aussie comedians who are on the show with Ray. 
um, it's given them jobs. And so people are horrified that a politician would be suggesting they lose their jobs. But give it a go. It is very, very funny. Well, I've always loved Ray Martin. I've, I've always thought he was a consummate television performer. It's just I'm a, glad oh. to see his back. In, in fact, I read an interview with Bert Newton, who's about to turn 80. I think Bert would quite like to come back onto television too, just reading between the lines. Oh, well, that's what he's, you know, that's what he's always done. That's what he's sort of born for, wasn't it? But I'm not sure whether he's getting, getting a bit long in the tooth, isn't he? Is that a bit mean? I Says prefer, somebody who's about to have a birthday. I prefer Patty. Oh, please. I'm younger than Bert. I like Patty. I listen to Patty on 3AW. She is fantastic. She is such a good performer, that woman. I'm a big Patty Newton fan. BSF time, Caro. Book, screen and food. Well, I've got a bit of a book with a difference um, today. This was a book that mum gave me for Mother's Day. And look, you know how I love movie books. Can I just say? What? From my shop. From your shop. I delivered it to Jules' front door. Oh, I I am loving it. It is called We'll Always Have Casablanca. Now, you know know it's one of my favourite films. And what I love now is this genre of writing books about an amazing film. I mean, we're now... And they've done, it's happened for years. I've, the book, the Citizen Kane book, is one of the great books I've ever read. All about the um, the lack of um, cre- credibility, the, the lack of what's it called when you credit given to um, Mankiewicz, who really was the one who did the script, and it all went to Orson Welles. Yeah, exactly. So but, that was but a great book. But, but don't this, you think this genre is a bit like a, reading a fantastic extended Vanity Fair article? It, exactly. Remember in Vanity exactly. Fair back in the day, used to do the fantastic what happened behind the scenes that gentlemen prefer blondes or, you know. And who almost, you know, they first announced that the roles of um, Rick and Ilza were going to Ronald Reagan and Anne Sheridan. I mean, obviously that was a publicity stunt gone completely wrong. And back then the role of Ilsa, she was more of a wisecracking American divorcee. So it changed a lot from the original play. So it's the original play, the two people who wrote it, it was called Everybody Comes to Rick's. Um, um, how, great, great title. Yeah. But a bit more upbeat, isn't it? Yes, so not as good as Casablanca. Can't see Anne Sheridan in that role. In no, that and, and anyway, then they changed the role of the romantic lead to a, a European and, and Victor Laszlo came into it, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I'm now on to, um, and, and you talked about um, the sex coach or whatever, intimacy coach. Well, Humphrey Bogart needed a, an acting coach to do romantic scenes because he was not a romantic star. He'd always played, you know, criminals and he'd made all those Warner Brother movies to great success playing a crim. He was quite an upmarket American from New England. but um, I, I did love him in Sabrina, mainly because he couldn't do the romantic bit. Well, and then Audrey Hepburn gradually brings it out of him. Well, that's this wonderful author Noah Eisenberg said. He said it was the way um, she actually looked at him that made him that Ingrid Bergman looked him. But Paul Heinrich, how he got the role, um, the ending, how it changed, the original script, the fights over the script, who took the credit for the script. The f- and they never say play it again, Sam, do they? No. And and all the lines. I mean, it is. it won the best script of the best 101 scripts ever written. Um, they did a competition in Hollywood about oh, wow. like, 15 years ago. Yeah, and it won the best script. Anyway... The life legend and afterlife of Hollywood's most beloved movie. It makes you want to see the film all over again. I've seen it about seven times. It is a great book, Corrie. Have you still got them at your shop? Right, can I, well, can I just say, Caro, that I wish you'd give me a bit of warning. A bit of insider trading would be helpful. I did get this in for Jewel because it is an older book. 
I wish I'd known you were talking about it because I would have bought 10 because now potties are going to be calling and saying, oh, well, can I have a copy of that shirt? Well, whenever book, people order books at your I'll shop, you always more. get them in in a we week do. or two. More. Three or four days. Really? Come on. Oh, well, I'm sorry I didn't give you the heads up, but thank you, Mum. So there's thank no you, such Corrie. thing as insider trading on this show. It's a um, great book. Which is a nice segue to you talking about screen. Well, I've got an old screen this week. Um, yeah, that's good because we can't go to the movies. No, so, well, exactly. So dip into your. I mean, they're all. Tricks. I was told last night that I have to watch Caliphate, which I haven't watched yet. That's a tip that um, is one. It's another Scandi noir that's meant to be brilliant. Um, Ned, my son, and I the other night watched an early Coen Brothers, Miller's Crossing. Absolutely loved it. Never seen it. Always wanted to see it. A very early Coen Brothers film. I think it's nineteen ninety. It came after um, Raising Arizona, which we both loved, and our friend Jeff Slattery, the first time he ever said to me, a la Lewis Martin, I am never listening to a recommendation of yours ever again. I love the Coen brothers. I absolutely love them, but I'd never seen Miller's Crossing, a gangster film set in 1929. I think it's New Orleans, starring Albert Finney, who is absolutely brilliant, and Gabrielle Byrne, a Oh, well, he's a, young, always, a younger Gabriel. He's Byrne. always been gorgeous, but boy, oh boy. Marcia Gay Harden is the romantic interest of both men. Very violent. Some absolutely brilliant. Um, and Albert's the uh, crime boss, isn't he? Yes. Mm. A bit of an homage I love, I to really many love films, this film. including The Third Man, another great Orson Welles film. Um, but brilliantly scripted, a couple of very silly scenes. You have to really listen to the script. I mean, some of the lines are so clever and so brilliant, but so of their time. Um, It has not lost anything in the telling, and I would strongly recommend Miller's Crossing. How did you access it? Um, Well, we paid for it. Ned said, come on, on, Amazon or something. I think you just, you go on to, um, I don't know, he he did something. We we need, apart from did something, potties will be wondering how do I access this. I think it costs us $2.99. You need to do a bit of research. I think it costs about $3 or something. What's that thing you do, Jane, when you go onto your TV? Apple TV? Apple TV. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Welcome anyway, to the 21st century. Now, Corrie, you have a recipe. I do. Uh, speaking of Jeff Slattery, I received a, an email from him during the week. Uh, could be a good one for the podcast. And it was a link to Tatler, the British magazine. Royal pastry chefs share the recipe for the scones served at the Queen's garden parties. Now, of course, as you know, it is Queen's most favourite time of the year to have the garden party. She's always loved it, apparently. Insiders, sorry, Palace insiders say. Yes. Yep. And she can't have it this year for corona reasons. So Tatler has spoken to the chefs at Buckingham Palace who have said, look, sure, the Queen is very happy for us to give this recipe away, which apparently they've never done before. So I thought, right, you're coming over for Scrabble. I'm going to cook some scones. Here's the recipe 500 grams of plain flour, 28 grams of baking powder, 94 grams of butter, 86 grams of sugar. Don't you love the exactness? I mean, try on my scales to find 84 grams grams of sugar. 84 grams. Two whole eggs, 140 mils of buttermilk. I did actually have to add a bit more to get my pastry wet enough. And it's optional, 100 grams of sultanas, which if you want to add them in, cover in hot water and leave to soak for 30 minutes before you put them in. So off I go. I set the oven at 180 degrees 
I started mixing the flour, the baking powder, butter and sugar together until it was crumbly. In a separate bowl, I whisked my eggs and the buttermilk and then I added the liquid to the crumb mixture, continued to mix the dough. Um, I didn't add the sultanas, but at that point you can and you mix and evenly distribute them. I removed the dough from the bowl. I got out my wonderful rolling pin that's very, very old, flattened the dough and I covered it and let it rest for 30 minutes And then it says, roll out the dough to a thickness of 2.5 centimetres and cut to desired shape. And then the recipe stopped. A bit like like you the other day with with people ringing you about your raspberry thing. Well, because Miss Jane left the cooking time off the show notes. So I I immediately, so I'm just standing there, the oven's going, I've got, you know, the pastry and everything. And I've got to this point and I've ticked slats and I've gone... I've, and, I've, and I've taken a snapshot of this point in the Tatler recipe and I said, I've got to the point and the bloody recipe ends and I'm not subscribing to Tatler just for a scone recipe. I guess I'm just forming into circles, brushing with milk and baking in a 180-degree oven for question mark, whatever it takes. And he's gone 12 minutes, watch the video. Well, I'm not watching the video. Oh, no. Who wants to do that when they're cooking? So so I think um, I think probably I slightly overcooked them. I think I got to about the 15 or 16 minute mark. You would testify as well that they were slightly brown on the top. But anyway, they were pretty delicious. They were delicious. And as you said, it's just an excuse to eat jam and cream together, really. (laughs) (laughs) They were delicious. Um, I mean, you've done a bit of scone work over the journey on Don't Shoot the Messenger. Well, yeah. Look, they weren't as unsuccessful as my sponge of last year, my sponge making... um, Challenge and that, but, that uh, first batch of shortbread. But I, yeah, well, the first batch. That, <laughs> after that, they were great. But I look as the granddaughter of a baker. I feel it's sort of in my DNA that I should be able to do these things. And you nailed it. I think when you were having a crack at me about the shortbreads, or I can't remember, but I do lack the patience. That's it's, the it problem. And I'm an instinctive cook. You know, just throw it in. That'll be right, and taste and taste and get it together. Mm. A bit like getting no. my getting my flour, getting my dough to the right consistency. I was throwing in a bit more buttermilk and a bit more of this, and suddenly you're off. You're off topic. You're off piste. Yeah. Oh well, look. I must say, you've, got, you've gone rogue, and yeah. your scones are a disaster. <laughs> Brendan made these beautiful. Remember, he made those. Um, I think they had currants or raisins in them during his um, brief time um, of <laughs> retirement. Um, oh, God, they were absolutely – I think you've got to eat them straight away. They're absolutely beautiful. You serve them wrapped in a warm tea towel, Corrie. They were yummy. So yeah, well they done. Were, they were yummy. We got there in the end. Uh, thank you, Red Energy. And um, you are powered by the Snowy Hydro Red Energy and you are a leader in renewable energy and you are a supporter of our don't shoot the messenger podcast and we thank you. If anybody out there would like to contact Red Energy, Energy the number is 131 806, Melbourne based team, and they'll help you out. And please tell them that Caro and Corrie sent you because I don't know, they might give you a bouquet of flowers or a pat on the back. I'm not really sure. Caro, from all this happiness to sadness, you are grumpy. I'm grumpy about puffed up, overpaid sporting legends making documentaries that everyone raves about. And I'm sorry. Have you been watching The Last Dance on the ESPN? Is, it, is this the Michael Jordan one? Yeah. Oh, can't be bothered. It is. Everybody's raving about oh, it. Oh, look, it, you know, because there's been no sport, as our friend and the age chief footy writer Jake Nile said, it's been almost the biggest sporting event of the year because everyone's been watching that because they can't watch sport. If you want to watch, a, and, and you know, because Michael Jordan actually commissioned it, you know that there's going to be a bit of um, mayonnaise and I, he comes across, as so many of them do, as, you know, just these over-wealthy, overpaid, 
um, up themselves, the way he treats some of his teammates, the way he treats his family, um, some of the misinformation. I mean, a journalist just exposed his claim that it wasn't him who kept Isaiah Thomas off um, out of the playoffs and out of the 1992 um, Olympic Dream Team. Just not true. He certainly did and has admitted it in the past. The story about the pizza delivery that might have given him food poisoning, the pizza guy, when they were in some motel, the pizza guy just said, absolute balderdash. We didn't even know we were serving it to Michael Jordan. There weren't 10 of us outside the door. There was two of you know, just All this stuff. They've tried to create, you know, um, drama out of nothing in some cases. And, yes, if you're really into basketball, I bet you our friend Craig Hutchison's absolutely loved it. I have really disliked it, and it's just put me off Michael Johnson as a bloke. And there's another one about to come Michael out. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, I'm sorry, Michael Jordan. There's another one about to come out about Lance Armstrong. He's had another crack when he, again, refuses to take you know full responsibility for what he did as a drug cheat and the way he treated those who tried to expose him and who questioned him. So there's another one coming up. I don't know, not my go at all. Bring back real sport and real people. Well, your wish will be my command. Yeah, thank you, In a couple of weeks, we'll be back at footy. Six quick questions, Caro. Who has been your favourite pandemic media commentator or columnist? Look, this question should really go to you because you've been reading and watching it far more than Slightly me. Slightly obsessively. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really boring and mainstream, but I just tune into Lee Sales every night to the point where Brendan sometimes says, oh, look, more corona. Can we have But I reckon her coverage, the coverage of 7.30 Report has been great. And the little graphic. Of, yes. the, of the virus. Yeah, the those virus. pictures with the spikes, I know, but they show afterwards. Um, yeah, I'd have to say um, Dr Norman Swan. I mentioned him the other day on the ABC, uh, his little sections on the news, the, the ABC News, and then often with Lee as well. He's terrific. Yeah, I agree. Okay, okay. Well, it's better for you than me, but um, I do love Lee. So West Farmers is closing 160 of its Target stores, and they've admitted they're saying that Kmart has won the retail battle. Are you a Target or Kmart girl? I have flipped in the last couple of years. To Kmart? To Kmart. Yeah, they're I used pretty to, I used to live in Target, especially when the kids were little and you'd go there and you'd buy their corduroy pinafores or pants for kindergarten oh, and they were $15. You used to rock the Target bathers oh, too. Totally. Target bathers are fantastic. But? But? I discovered homewares at Kmart and I've never been the same. Real? Oh, yeah. Well, you remember those lights you got? Mm. They were Kmart. And remember the Channel 9 makeup girls in their corduroys or jeans that they got exactly, from Kmart? We, we got into trouble from some of our listeners about that. Anyway, I reckon, Why did we get in trouble? Oh, because of the way they're made and how it's going to ruin the Australian fashion industry. Anyway, I'm a bit of a Kmart girl, I have to say. Now, what are you dreading most about winter? Being in Melbourne for three months. <laughs> you just said before that you were no, I'm, stoic and looking forward to it. No, look, I just, you know what I hate most about winter? And it gets better by the end of June. I just hate the way that it gets dark so early. I know that sounds really pathetic, but it's so well, dark. It happens every year. You we, should be used to it by Brenda now. When I went on a walk yesterday morning, we had to take a torch. It was so foggy. It was absolutely freezing. Well, that's fog. That's and foggy <laughs> and... No, look, I'm actually. It, it was. Pro- it's probably a silly thing to say, but I've just loved getting out into the garden, and I just feel I watch everything. I know you can still plant things in winter, and some plants thrive, but you watch it all close down, and 
It's a long three months, Corrie. It's nature's way of saying have a little rest. It's a long three months. Because there's a big party happening in September. You know that's what happens in winter, Caro. I know. I know. Look, it, it's just... Stop I think, sulking about it. I think Come what on, I'm sulking it. about is the fact that I feel as I'm in winter now and it hasn't even started. <laughs> What's your happiest royal family news this week? William and Harry are talking again. Oh, yay. Really? What do you think? What's your prediction about the marriage? Is it going to last? Which marriage? Oh, Megan and... Yep. Well, I don't know. I don't speculate on that. I'm not a palace insider, but I did read The Sun in the UK talking about great sources. (laughs) (laughs) That um, esteemed publication that's always right. Uh, So Prince Harry and Prince William have been speaking quite a lot in recent weeks, and it started when, of course, their father, Prince Charles had to go into isolation because he acquired uh, COVID-19. Yeah. So the brothers were talking and now they're chatting quite regularly. Um, The son says they are exchanging regular calls as they repair their strained relationship, which became more tense amid rumours of a Fab Four rift and Mexit. So the son also says that, in fact, I don't know how on earth they would know this, really. How do they know this? I'm that interested that you're quoting the son. That apparently <laughs> Prince Harry um, did have discussions with William well in advance of his decision to quit the firm, as we call it, back in March. And he had been talking with his older brother, William, about moving to America prior to all of us knowing. Well, look, you know, I mean, really, that's probably a no-brainer you would think that you would talk before you go public to the media about it. Anyway, I was very pleased to hear that, and I don't know why, but the first thing I thought of is, oh, your mother would be so pleased. Yes. No one likes a family rift. No, no, they're shocking. There's nothing worse. Caro, finish this sentence. I'm happy I can't go anywhere this year because... I don't have to pack. So conversely, despite my grumpiness over winter... um, Packing is one of the least enjoyable things that you can do. I find it really... I love it. I'm on holiday. Yippee. No, despite... Grab that Target bathing suit. I find it really stressful. And this is my year of saving money. No one's earning as much money as they were. So I'm, I'm happy I can't go anywhere this year. I don't have to pack. I'm going to save money. And like you, I am planning a, within Australia, short little mini break. And I've got lots of ideas. And I'm, I am quite happy about it. Really. Oh, and you and I will be talking good. all through winter, which is nice. We will be. We won't have to go on hold or bring in a guest because you'll be here. You won't be on a Greek island. But don't feel bad about that, Carol. <laughs> I don't want you to be unhappy when it's your birthday next week. Oh, I tell you what, the battle of getting back the deposits. Oh, my Lord. That's oh, a first world problem, Carol. Come on. Well, yeah, but it's a lot of money. What's this week's favourite Instagram account, Corrie? I am absolutely hooked. So my children, I think it was Francesca. Maybe it was Lib. I can't remember on the family WhatsApp said, gosh, you just all have to tune into this one. It's called Let It Happen. And it is the three sisters, the dancing sisters from Holland. So Rose probably knows them, actually. They might even be her neighbours in Amsterdam. Nora, Yara and Rosa. And they're three little girls. I'm imagining, I haven't done my research here, but I'm imagining looking at the size of them, they're probably about nine years of age, 10 years of age and 12 years of age or maybe oh, a bit older. They cute. make the they make the Jackson 5 look like, um, you know, yesterday's men, which of course, in fact, they are. <laughs> but uh, there's something about sure sisters I love. You remember the Dilly sisters who used to sing Tarara Boom Dier on <laughs> Banana Splits? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd forgotten about them. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love the banana splits. I love the banana splits too. What so was the name of the island that. where there, were, there was all, you know, they had the cutaway scary island, you know, the yeah. really scary island. They had about four different storyline, d- different bits. Were they on they? drugs? Were Saturday they afternoon, I think they were. You know what I want to do, seeing, seeing as we're just in, we're coming out of lockdown and we're delirious. In the next week or two, I want to talk about favourite 70s television shows we grew up with. The Banana Splits is right up there. Anyway, the Dilly Sisters, God knows where they are now. Carol, they would have been older than you and I. Well, clearly. Probably yep. singing in Mexico somewhere. That's where they were from. Um, anyway, back to Let It Happen. Please have a look at these girls. They are amazing. They've been on Ellen DeGeneres a couple of times. They have a huge following. And if you just want to brighten up your day, add them to your Instagram um, feed. And um, uh, look, I just can't talk about them more highly. I love them, love them, love them. Let It Happen. Is that it? Let It Happen is what it's called. Clemmie Donahue's got two new posts. You know, he's been doing cooking on her Yes, I do. Um, I must say, I really, I hate to push my own children. But well, you always do, but that's she good. Made no, I don't. <laughs> she made it. No, I don't. She made. No, she does. Most... She does deserve it with her. Her Instagram account is honestly, it takes it right up to Nigella. She made the most incredible spicy ragu yesterday. I've just, I'm not with me. She was elsewhere, but oh boy, it looks absolutely yummy. Um, we must have Clem back on the show soon with some recipes. Uh, what a lovely little episode that was. Thank you, Caro, for your company. And thank you to our podcast supporter, Red Energy. And, of course, thank you to all of our messengers for your feedback and comments. Please keep them coming via our Facebook page, which is just Don't Shoot the Messenger. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Don't Shoot Pod is the link. And you can, of course, email us, feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Uh, thank you again to our friend Anita Zima last week who came in and talked to us about Workplace Matters. We had lots of um, fans and uh, new fans of Anita's and, and listeners to our show who found it really interesting and I think we will revisit that idea with Anita in a few weeks' time. And thank you to you, Miss Jane, for just being you and wonderful and keeping us on air. Red Energy, don't forget, call 131806 for real Aussie energy. And what do we say, Caro? Don't shoot the messenger. If you love an insightful podcast, Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series is for you. Real estate, cooking, parenting, home design, plus the sport of gardening with Dale Vine. I never thought I'd say it, Jane, but compost is on trend at the moment. It is uh, <laughs> it is as cool as a hairstyle by Dustin Martin, I can tell you. Powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series, available wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.